pass through his open gates with the password of praise. Come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Come, bring your thank offering to him and affectionately bless his beautiful name. For Yahweh is always good and ready to receive you. He's so loving that it will amaze you, so kind that it will astound you, and he is famous for his faithfulness towards all. Everyone knows our God can be trusted, for he keeps his promises to every generation. Lift up a great shout of joy to Yahweh. Go ahead and do it, everyone, everywhere. Worship Yahweh with gladness. Sing your way into his presence with joy and realize what this really means. We have the privilege of worshiping Yahweh our God, for he is our creator and we belong to him. We are the people of his pleasure. You can pass through his open gates with the password of praise. Come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Come, bring your thank offering to him and affectionately bless his beautiful name. For Yahweh is always good and ready to receive you. He's so loving that it will amaze you, so kind that it will astound you, and he is famous for his faithfulness towards all. Everyone knows our God can be trusted, for he keeps his promises to every generation. Lift up a great shout of joy to Yahweh. Go ahead and do it, everyone, everywhere. Worship Yahweh with gladness. Sing your way into his presence with joy and realize what this really means.
because he's always doing something good. And we just bless his name today, Father God. We give you thanks and praise for your goodness and for your presence that's here with us this morning. And Lord, we just glorify you. We lift up your holy name. And we give you the glory and the praise and the honor that's due you, Lord. And we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Worship in the house today. Are you ready? I'll praise in the daytime. I'll praise in the nighttime. I'll praise when I'm sure. Cause praise is believing. I praise cause your mercy.
that has breath. That has breath. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's what we're here to do today. Thank you, Lord. We praise you in this place. Because you're worthy. You're greater. You're bigger. You're mightier. Hallelujah. Come on, let's stir ourselves up in this place. We serve a great and mighty God. Hallelujah. He does great and mighty things.
ki ako shata ki ako ho onaha yehe ki ako ka shahe Moses asked me who should I tell them that is sending me and I said I am that I am I am the healer I am your deliverer I am your provider I am your savior I am the king of kings and the lord of lords and I am for you and I am the way the truth and the life Hallelujah Glory to God Amen amen Well you may have your seats thank you signature worship team Man they get better and better We have a dynamic worship team. They are awesome. Well, we are glad that you're here this morning. You're in the right place at the right time. No matter how you got here, God wanted you to be here. Hallelujah. And you know, the Lord did say that he is the great I am, so we should never say that he was. Because he still is the I am. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, it's Communion Sunday. Hallelujah. And we like to partake of uh, communion together as a family. It's a wonderful thing. And I'd like for you, if you want to follow along, uh, turn in the Gospel of John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Starting with verse uh, 31, hallelujah, the Bible says in John 6, 31, our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave not the bread from heaven. But my Father gives the true bread from heaven. There's a true bread. For the bread of God is he which comes down from heaven and gives life into the, to the world. This is, he is the bread of life. So when you partake of his bread, you're partaking of life. Amen? What does life do? Life heals sick bodies. Life brings strength to weak bodies. Amen? Life gives peace to turmoil. Life gives joy to depression. Life changes things. You're about to partake of the bread of life. Then they said unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. You know, you have to have a desire for the bread. Hallelujah. And Jesus said, you know, we shouldn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. But Jesus is the bread from heaven. And Jesus said unto them, verse 35, I am the bread of life. There's that I am. He that comes to me shall never hunger. So if you hunger, what do you have to do? You got to come to him. You got to move from where you are and go after him. Amen. And he that believes on me shall never thirst. Why, why aren't you never going to thirst? Because he's fully satisfied. Yes. 
You'll never find anyone more satisfying than Jesus. But I said, I said unto you, you also have seen me and believe not. So um, all that the Father gives me shall come to me. There's that coming to him again. And him that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Aren't you glad for that? If you come to Jesus, he's not going to reject you. He's not going to turn you away. He's going to receive you. He's going to accept you. Amen? Hallelujah. He has an open door policy. He invites anyone, everywhere, anytime, any place to come to him. You can come to him when you need him. You can come to him when you want him. Amen. You can come to him in good times. You can come to him in bad times. And he said, for I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If Jesus came to do the Father's will, then we have, we have come to do the Father's will. Amen. And this is the Father's will, uh, which uh, has sent me that of all which he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone uh, which sees the Son... And believes on him may have everlasting life. Glory to God. Everlasting life is received very simply. By believing and receiving him. And I will raise him up on the last day. Amen. So Jesus is the bread from heaven. He's the bread that gives us life. His body was broken so that ours could be repaired. His blood was shed so that we could be saved. Amen. And what we're about to partake of is the payment. It's the picture of the payment that he did for us. He paid our debt. Amen. How many glad that your debt's paid? How many glad that you're forgiven? Amen. You came here today forgiven. Hallelujah. You came here today free from sin. Oh, I'm free from sin? Yeah. Just receive it. Amen. Act like you're free from sin. Talk like you're free. Live like you're free from sin. Live how Jesus wants us to live. Amen? All right, you, you can go get the elements and then come back to your seat and we'll partake of it together. Hallelujah. Oh, Father God, we're just so grateful for your presence here this morning. Thank you for being with us, Lord. We just celebrate you. We are honored to have you and to be with you and to hear from you, Lord. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the cross on which you nailed our sin. Thank you for the blood, that pure, spotless, blameless blood that was shed on Calvary for us. That purchased our redemption. Oh Lord, we're so grateful and thankful for your goodness. Thank you for your strong hand. Hand of blessing and provision upon us. Hand of protection. Lord, we give you thanks and praise. We lift you up in this place. We're so privileged and honored to know you as Lord and Savior. 
Thank you for being the lamb that took away our sins. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Bless your holy name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So this is known as uh, the summary of the, the Last Supper that Jesus had with his disciples. It goes all the way back to Exodus and the Passover lamb. And when Jesus, if you, Mark 14, 22, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, Take, eat, this is my body, so let us eat of his body. And when he had taken the cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, and they, they, did, they all drank from it. And he said, this is the blood of the new covenant, my blood, which is being poured out for many. So let us drink. And give God some praise for what he has done for us through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We're thankful for the power of the cross. Bless your holy name. Amen. Hallelujah. And we know it was Veterans Day yesterday, and we're going to honor our veterans. We have a special gift for you, but you, you get more information about that, but if you if you've served uh, in the military, why don't you just stand up for us? If you've, if anybody who has served in the military, all right, praise God. Thank you for serving. Amen. Well, we like to uh, speak the word here at BCF. Amen. Jesus gave us the power to do that, so we make a confession based on His word. So let's make our confession uh, for this time. God is very good to us. His Holy Spirit reveals to us what God has freely given to us. We haven't enjoyed the good things that God has made available to us. We are greatly blessed by the Lord, and we possess the gates of our enemies. We are joint heirs with Jesus, and we take hold of all our inheritance. The Lord has separated us to himself, and he has given us territory to possess. Our land is fruitful, productive, thriving, and flourishing. God gives us his best. Wherever Father God has planted us, we take possession of our land by doing God's commands, statutes, and judgments. We gain divine wisdom and understanding and become great in God's sight. We are God's people, his priests who minister to him. We eat the wealth of nations and prosper in God. Instead of shame, we have a double portion. Instead of humiliation, we shout for joy over our portion. Jesus is our portion. In our land, we possess double and everlasting joy belongs to us. God faithfully rewards us and makes an everlasting covenant with us. 
Everything that God has promised has been made available to us, and we can possess it all. God establishes and confirms us in Christ, and he anoints us. We are never disappointed because God's love has been abundantly poured out within our hearts through Holy Spirit who was given to us. Everything in the Bible is for our instruction. We are encouraged by God's written word to have hope, and we overflow with confidence in his promises. We glorify, praise, and honor the Lord and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance, to proclaim the uncompromising word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. Good morning, VCF. I am so happy. I'm so happy to be at church. Okay, today is Sunday, November 12th. Thank you to all the veterans, as Pastor Doug and Dr. Fiona said. Thank you for your service. <laughs> All right, so first of our many wonderful announcements that we have is today at 5 p.m., Pastor Nelson is going to be preaching at Harrisburg's First Nepali Church. <laughs> I know, I will be going, come on out to support him. It's going to be awesome. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he'll preach in English. This is the English service. There's a lot of youth that show up because English is like more of their primary language that they speak at school. So it'll be in English. <laughs> okay, and then on Wednesday, we will have our praise and prayer night. So come on out for that. Invite people from the community, and we will specifically be praying for Israel as well. Okay, and then Friday, Friday the 17th, I'm so glad with the dates on here. Thank you, Mom. <laughs> on Friday the 17th, we have WOVEN, which stands for Women of Victory Enjoying New Life. So that's on our third Friday of the month, and I am so pumped to hear Dr. Fiona speak on Friday nights. Like, it is so great. I learned so much new information and strategy to apply to everyday life. So women, come on out, and we also start with, like, dinner. So for those of you who have busy schedules and, like, don't get a chance to eat, we feed you physically and spiritually. And then on Saturday, Pastor Doug actually departs for Liberia. I know, right? We've been announcing this for a while, and it is finally coming to pass. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> so the financial goal has been met, so thank you to all who have participated to the Commission Club. And there is extra because there is an abundance, and Liberia is just going to be touched by the fire of God. So Pastor Doug is going. Reverend Stephen Hoffman is going, and our very own Gabe Pishka, Reverend Gabe Pishka, is going too. <laughs> it's so much fun to say that. <laughs> and then next Sunday, we have the book club. So our ladies' book club will be meeting after service, and we're studying Dr. Fiona's book, Removing Blind Spots for a Limitless Life. 
I love our pastors so much. Like all of our events that we have, we get to learn all of the information that they have and it helps take us to the next level because it's all based on the word of God. Okay, so that's just this upcoming week. Then we have Bless the Children Home. You know, Christmas is coming up, right? Everybody's very excited. It's gotten cold outside, snow, Christmas, all the holiday cheer, okay? So the orphanage, Bless the Children Home, they, we want to bless them with so many, like, Christmas gifts so that, you know, they feel just the love of God, not just at Christmas time, but also all year round. So they will be receiving items until next Sunday, November 19th, because then they have to, like, ship the barrel out and get everything together and get it to the whole, a whole other country. So if you would like to participate, I know Dr. Fiona put together a list on Amazon. You can purchase items that way, or if you have things that you would like to donate, like I said, kitchen items, toys for the kids, there's a whole bunch of items and stuff there, too. And just as a heads up, with Thanksgiving coming... So we were at Christmas time. Now we're to Thanksgiving, okay? There will be no Wednesday night service on November 22nd, which is the service before Thanksgiving. So spend time with your families, fellowship with one another, and just have a great time being thankful for everything that we have. Okay. And so you know how last time I did announcements, like, holy laughter hit, right? So I figured I would take this opportunity to share all the benefits of laughter, okay? (laughs) All right, so I looked things up from, like, the scientific perspective about how laughter, like, has a whole bunch of good effects for you, okay? So as a baby, did you know that laughter actually helps develop muscles and your upper body strength, (laughs) right? Like, now laughter exercises take on a whole new level of meaning, (laughs) And it also works all of, like, your facial muscles, um, like your eyes, your head, your shoulders. If you've ever seen me specifically laughing on the floor, that's also working a whole bunch of muscles, right? It is a whole body physical workout. (laughs) Okay. And whether you are physically laughing or even just watching other people laugh, it also activates your whole brain, okay? Yep. Because your brain's trying to figure out, like, one, why are they laughing, okay? So, like, (laughs) cognitively, it's getting, like, a whole workout. Should I laugh, too? Like, just participate. Is it funny? Is it not funny? (laughs) It helps um, do your muscle control and regulates your emotions, right? So your whole brain gets engaged whether you are laughing or whether you're watching other people laugh. (laughs) And it helps boost your immune system and your metabolism, That I didn't know. I knew it, like, reduces stress, (laughs) right? (laughs) Laughter increases your metabolism. I'm like, oh, this is wonderful. (laughs) And it helps your whole cardiovascular system, right? I don't know if you've ever, like, run up some steps and then you're out of breath, but it's the same effect with laughter sometimes. You laugh so much, you, like, your cheeks hurt, your stomach hurts. Like, it helps circulate the blood. So that's just all the physical effects. Yeah, laughter is the best medicine. And now, so mentally, okay, so it's still working the brain too. Mentally, you're trying to resolve, um, like, the surprise or, like, the disconnect. Like, you know, jokes, absurdities, that kind of thing. Trying to figure out, like, why am I laughing, basically. Otherwise, you know, when you're not sure why it's funny, then you just look confused. Right? (laughs) Like, so you just start laughing. 
Um, it also, in order for you to laugh, you actually have to believe that other possibilities exist. Right? I don't know if you've ever heard, like, little kids tell jokes that sometimes don't make any sense. And that's because they're not being, like, literal or anything. They're just considering all of the possibilities that are happening. So then you just laugh. Like, it's not even, like, literally funny, but it's just funny because it doesn't make sense, right? (laughs) And it requires you to look at other people's perspectives, right? That's what laughter does. Like, why do they think that's funny? People have different life experiences, Comedians do this all the time, right? They relate to different people of different ages. So, okay. And then socially, laughter is so important, okay? It creates bonds and creates intimacy, right? Has anybody ever, like, belly laughed all by themselves? (laughs) I'll just say, I have. However, (laughs) that's not super common, right? You need other people, whether you're just chuckling or belly laughing, it creates that bond and that intimacy with others. And so when you are maybe by yourself or you're reading the word of God, you can do that too. Like God is funny. I don't know if you know that, but God is hilarious. So when you're reading the word, you can laugh. It creates more of a bond between you and Jesus as well. And you don't even also have to hear laughter to laugh. Like you can just start laughing by something that's funny looking, okay? (laughs) Right? Because it was saying people who can't hear, right, like in sign language and everything, they sign like their emotions and they laugh even though they've never heard other people laugh too. So what you look like can also make people laugh. (laughs) And you requires you to share your feelings, right? When you laugh, you're saying, I think that's funny. It's a response. It's engaging with others as well. I also learned, this is the last thing, okay, because there's a lot about laughter, but that it empowers problem solving and increases your resiliency and creative thinking, right? So laughter, I just love how it brings new ideas, and it allows you the ability to problem solve. So if you get stuck on a problem, like, go take a break, go laugh for a while, come back, try solving the problem then that way. So I'm thankful for the joy of Holy Ghost and all of that that it brings. So laugh a lot today and every day. (laughs) That's really awesome. Pastor Doug wanted me to read these verses because I'm busy looking for the verse. So it's Proverbs uh, 17.22. If you want to put it up, I'm first going to read in in the Passion. Proverbs 17.22. It says, a joyful, cheerful heart brings healing to both body and soul. But the one whose heart is crushed struggles with sickness and depression. So a key to healing is laughter. And in the Amplified, uh, the, the classic Amplified, AMPC, it says, a happy heart is good medicine and a cheerful mind works healing. But a broken spirit dries up the bones. Isn't that something? So you got to keep a list of jokes or something. I mean, (laughs) just start making up your own jokes. Sit with a kid and just let them tell you jokes and that'll do it. (laughs) Amen. And then the Bible also tells us that God sits in the heavens and laughs. If God laughs, what's wrong with us? (laughs) You know how people think when you come to church, you should be all solemn. You know what solemn looks like? A big belly laugh. That's solemn.
We believe in laughing. And the Bible says there is a joy of the Lord. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So we should produce more fruit. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, um, if you'd like to give today your tithes and offerings, you can give any time during the service. If you make a check, make it out to VCF. If you need to use a card, you can use it in the bookstore. If you're online, you can go to our website. There's all kinds of ways for you to give, and we just celebrate your giving. And uh, we're so grateful and thankful for everyone who partnered uh, with us for the Commission Club. And uh, we've, we've taken, this will be our third trip this year. I uh, went to India earlier. Uh, Dr. Fiona went to Guyana, and then I'm going to Liberia. And uh, we're, we've never been to Liberia, so we're, this is another part of the world that VCF is touching. Amen. And we're going to bring victory, healing, and life to Liberia. And uh, we're very excited. They're very excited to receive us there. So uh, we leave uh, Saturday morning and begin our journey on Saturday, and we get to Liberia on Monday. (laughs) So praise the Lord. Amen. And uh, next year, next year, I've, I've been invited to be a keynote speaker at a conference in Uganda. So uh, next year, amen. And, uh, you know, if, if the Lord ever leads you to go on a missions trip, you know, uh, if uh, there's funds in the Commission Club, we can help you do that, amen. So the Commission Club is something ongoing. It's not just for uh, this one, but it's something ongoing. It's something that you can partner in the Great Commission with, amen. And we're so appreciative of that. And uh, so next week, Dr. Fiona will be preaching on Sunday. And uh, the following Sunday, Pastor Nelson will be preaching. So praise God. Amen. Two, two flamethrowers flame right there. Right? They're going to be dispersing some fire. Amen. Well, Father, we give you thanks and praise for every giver and their gifts, Lord. And we thank you. We give because we love you and we give into your kingdom. And Lord, you receive them in heaven. And we're so grateful for the blessing and the reward that you give us in return. And we call all your givers and their gifts blessed, blessed, blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I see we got some handsome and gorgeous kids out here. And we're going to dismiss them for their kids' live class. So kids, have a great anointed class. Be blessed. Experience the presence of God. Thank you for our helpers. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Well, you all ready, ready this morning for the continuation of the Word of God? I was inspired. We're going to talk about being the best version of you. How many want to be the best version of yourself? Amen. Well, don't fight what God is doing. Embrace it. Say this with me. Say, Father God, work the way you want to work in me and through me in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, God has great things in store for you. And uh, when he comes in, 
into our life, he makes us the best that we can be. You know, you can't be all you can be joining the army. (laughs) Even though, for those of you that join the army, thank you so much. But the army doesn't make you the best that you can be. Christ makes you the best that you can be. Amen? Jesus makes you the best. You know, when you connect with Jesus, you're getting back to your roots. Your roots of how God created you. And you become recreated in Christ Jesus. Right? You become a new creature with a new feature. Amen? And uh, we're going to look at how you can be the best that you can be. And I want you to go to an Old Testament story in 1 Samuel chapter 10. 1 Samuel chapter 10. And it talks about Israel's first king, whose name was Saul. And uh, 1 Samuel chapter 10, starting with verse 1. Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord has anointed you to be captain over his inheritance? For every calling, for every assignment, for every purpose, God anoints people for those things. God doesn't call you without anointing you and equipping you. God doesn't put you in a position without anointing you. Amen? And it is the anointing, which is the power of God, it's the yoke-destroying, burden-removing power. See, when you're anointed, your yokes are, are gone and your burdens are removed. So that you can function the way God created you to function. Thank God for the anointing. Thank God for the anointing. Amen? And we're going to see how God has anointed all of us. Amen? He wants to smear his oil on you. Some of y'all need an oil change. And you've come to the right service station. To get an oil change. We're going to drain that grimy, dark oil out of you. And we're going to put some fresh oil in you. Amen? Could you use some fresh oil today? A fresh perspective. Fresh insight. Amen? Why? You know, God anoints us so that we can be the best that we can be. You're never going to be the best that you can be without the anointing. Or apart from the anointing of God. Okay? So Samuel anointed Saul, the first king. And he kissed him. And he, he, he anointed him, why? To be captain over his inheritance. He anointed him to rule. He anointed him to lead. He anointed him to function in this position. Okay? Then he said, uh, verse 2, When you are departed from me today, you shall find two men by Rachel's tomb, or sepulcher, in the border of Benjamin at Zelah, or Zelza, and they will say unto you, uh, The asses which you went to seek are found, and lo, your father has left the care of the asses, and sorrows for you, saying, What shall I do for my son? Saul was looking for his father's donkeys. And uh, it's been a couple days now, so uh, Saul's father stopped worrying about the donkeys, he started worrying about Saul. But God had a plan for Saul that he was working out, okay? 
And uh, verse 3, then you shall go forward from there. Now, this is the prophet telling Saul what's about to happen, okay? And you shall come to the plain of Tabor, and there you shall meet three men going up to God to Bethel. Bethel is, is the house of God, okay? One carrying three kids or three goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a bottle of wine. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is represented in the bottle of wine. Yeah. Amen. Jesus is represented in the three goats and uh, 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 the bread. Amen. And they shall salute you and give you two loaves of bread, which you shall receive of their hands. You know, these are pretty specific instructions. Okay. After that... You shall come to the hill of God. Did you know that you're on a hill today? You've come to the hill of God today. Amen? What's on the hill? A thrill. A fill. Amen? No more ill. Hallelujah. I used to rap in my younger days, so I like to rhyme. So you're going to go to the hill of God where the garrison of the Philistines are. And it shall come to pass when you are there to the city that you shall meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with a psaltery or a harp or a guitar <laughs> and a, a tabret or a, a tambourine, right? So, and a pipe, bagpipes maybe, I don't know, <laughs> and a harp, <laughs> Before the, okay, so they're, they're, these, he's going to meet a company of prophets that are ready to worship. Okay? Did you come here ready to worship today? And, uh, and, you sh- and they shall prophesy. Okay? Verse 6. Now, this is, this is the key verse right here. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you shall prophesy with them, and shall be turned into another man. You know what? God needs us to turn ourselves, not into necessarily another man, but a new man. A holy man. A holy woman. Amen? A pure person. Right? A calm person. Amen? And what what changes us? It's when the Spirit of God comes on a person that He creates the change. He brings out from the inside to the outside. Because Saul was going to start to prophesy something he's never done before. But you know, when you're a king, you need to speak. When you're a king, you need to decree things. Prophesying is just speaking under the inspiration. Okay? But he was going to be changed when the Spirit of God would come on him mightily. Now, sometimes the Spirit of God comes on you temporarily. You know, like in Samson, the Spirit of God would come on him and he would do great feats of strength. But then he was like an ordinary person. But when the Spirit of God came on him, man, you wouldn't want to mess with Samson. Because the Spirit of might would come on him. I mean... You know, one, one day a city locked him out. He just picked up the gates of the city and carried on his shoulders. The concrete, the iron, the gate, all of it. He just said, hey, you know, what's going on? But then when the spirit of, when God anointed David, he said the spirit of God came on him mightily from that time on. So that was a permanent anointing. Amen.
So there are times when God anoints you temporarily. Then there are times when God anoints you permanently. And we've all been anointed permanently in God. Amen? Hallelujah. See, in order to be changed into what God designed you to be, you need the Spirit of God. You need the anointing of See, the, the Holy Spirit is the agent of the anointing. They're kind of like one and the same. He is the activator. He is the animator. You know, before they had digital animation, they would have to draw a picture in different poses. And you flip the pages, right? And then you see, the, you see that, that figure move, right? But it, took, it was time-consuming. But see, the Holy Spirit, he's an animator, Amen? He comes on the scene and he, he brings about something. He's like the spark that starts the fire. He's, he's like the, the jet engine on the space shuttle. Amen? And uh, he comes on us. So God wants to change you and make you the best version of yourself. Right? So I, I, I just listed some things. And when I say man, I'm just saying mankind, all right? He wants you to be a true man, a, a new man, a true man, a holy man, a healed man. You know, if you're sick, the best version of yourself is healed. Right? If you're poor, the best version of yourself is rich. Right? A loving man, a successful man, a godly man, an overcoming man, a victorious man, equipped with different things. You're upgraded, empowered for greatness. Say, I'm empowered for greatness. Everything that God does is great, even if it's a small thing. Amen? The woman who gave two mites, God recorded that in his book. Jesus watched as she gave that, and Jesus knew that she gave it all. And what she, what she gave was greater than what the rich people were putting in. Because they gave out of their substance, she gave out of what she needed. Amen? Why did God take the time to record that if he didn't want us to know that? He celebrated her offering. Amen? The same thing that God does with you. When you put an offering uh, in the kingdom of God, God celebrates it. He cheers it. He gets excited about it. He's like, I'm going to make something happen for them. Amen? Hallelujah. All right? So, the Holy Spirit, he's the difference maker in your life and the anointing. Amen? That's the difference maker. Why was Abraham so rich? Because he was such a a savvy businessman? No, he was blessed by God. He was anointed by God. He was touched by God. He was called by God. And he, he, he walked with God. He did what God said. He embraced what God wanted to do. And, and he wasn't a father, but he came, he became the best version. He became a father. He went from fatherlessness to, to father of many nations. That's an upgrade, isn't it? God was saying, Abraham, you're coming up to first class. Amen? 
So God will change you into what he wants you to be, what he wants you to be. Why? God has the, it's God that has the master plan for your life. He knows why he designed you. He knows what your reason for being is. He knows what your assignment is. Amen? So he changes us into what he wants us to be. Not what we think we should be. We didn't make us. I'm a self-made millionaire. No, you didn't. If you had employees, you're not self-made. Amen? Every millionaire got help to get there. Whether they had an idea or started a business or got an inheritance, they had help. No such thing as a self-made man. Amen? Satan thought he was a self-made man. Look at where he ended up. He got kicked out of heaven. (laughs) Amen? Amen? So God wants to make you holy, righteous, pure, equipped, called, and empowered. Amen? Here's what, I, I read some commentaries on this, and they were actually pretty good. You know, sometimes it's like give or take, but these are pretty good. The pulpit commentary said, when the Spirit of God comes upon you, he will come mightily upon you. Everybody say mightily. You know, when, on the day of Pentecost, God didn't sneak in the window. God didn't tiptoe through the tulips, right? There was a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. He came with might, he came with force, and he came with power. The devil sneaks, God shows up. God didn't sneak on the day of Pentecost. I just want to be quiet before you, Lord. God says, pump up the volume. So Saul, who was anointed as king, was going to act like a prophet. And he couldn't do that without the Spirit of God. Why did God want him to prophesy? I don't know why God wanted him to prophesy, but God just told him, you're going to prophesy. And I'm sure that Saul said, if I were Saul, I would have said, okay. You know, we had a, a seminar here uh, years ago about the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, it was excellent. And so we were talking about, you know, every, every service you hear a tongue and interpretation. I never know who's going to give the tongue. I just know that I'm supposed to do the interpretation. Because in our seminar, the person preaching, he looked at me and said, okay, you know, uh, people might give tongues. And he said, Pastor Doug, you're going to be the interpreter. And I said, okay. <laughs> Amen. So, why? That, that brings order. It doesn't matter who gives a tongue, but there's only going to be one person giving the interpretation. I mean, it's not a translation. It's not a word for word, but it's an interpretation of what God is saying. Amen? So, but that takes the anointing. That takes the Spirit of God. To be the best, you need God's Spirit. Why? He has the keys to all the treasure. He knows where everything is hidden in God. He knows what God has given you. He knows why God designed you. And he's here to help you be the best that you can be. Let's be the best version of ourselves. Let's be like Jesus. And he said you'll be turned into another man. You'll have new thoughts. 
How many think differently when you met Christ? Amen? You have new emotions. Wow, I actually enjoy raising my hands now. When I was religious, it was a little difficult. But now that I'm free, whoa, it's real easy. Amen? How how many grew up in a religious church? They squash expression. But the Holy Spirit encourages expression. So when you get in an atmosphere like this, and you came out of a religious atmosphere, you're like, what is going on here? Amen? So when you become a new person, you become a, you get new emotions. Amen? You get bodily strength. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you you're able to do things you couldn't do before. Amen? I used to be shy. And now look what the Holy Ghost did. True. As a young boy, I was shy. But I'm not shy anymore. Why? The Holy Spirit got a hold of me. He changed me. He made me into a new man. You know, you're supposed to take off the old and put on the new. You're supposed to be clothed with Christ, which is the anointed one. Amen? You'll be filled with mental power. Hallelujah. When the Spirit of God gets on you, He knows everything. Jesus said, have the mind of Christ. Say, I have the mind of Christ. Say it again. Say, I have the mind of Christ. So why are you you using the mind of Christ for stinking thinking? Get your mind out of the gutter. And get it in the palace. Get your mind in the palace. Get your mind in health. Get your mind on victory. Get your mind on more than enough supply. Get your mind on how big God is. Amen? Well, you need a new mind. I went to that church and they brainwashed me. Yeah, because my mind was so filthy. It needed a good cleansing. Amen? So he'll make you eager for action, capable of taking the lead in all emergencies. Jesus told his disciples, when you're brought before the magistrates or those in authority, don't worry about what you're going to say. Why? He'll give you the words to say on the spot. Amen? It's called prophesying. Hallelujah. All right? Another uh, Benson commentary about when the Spirit of the Lord comes on you, he said he'll rush on you. Did you know that the Holy Spirit plays football? He's a rusher. (laughs) He does things quick. Right? Amen? He'll rush on you. He'll... Having God's spirit on you is the highest assurance from God. Whose spirit does he give us? Not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of God. The spirit that was in Christ. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, if he be in you. Say, I have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Think about that. 
You've got resurrection power in you. That means the devil can't keep you down. The devil can't lock you up. The devil can't stop you. Why? Resurrection power is greater. And it came from the same spirit, same material. Jesus said, I'm going to send another comforter, one just like me, in divinity, in deity. Amen? One like me in divinity and deity. And then uh, when Benson said about being turned into another man, you'll be suddenly endowed with another spirit filled with skill in divine things. How many want to have skill in divine things? You know, Peter, Jesus said, who do people say that I am? And right on the spot, God gave him the answer. You're the Christ. You're the Son of God. Jesus acknowledged this didn't come from anybody. It came from my Father in heaven. So God gave Peter that information right then, right there, on the spot. And even even the world said about Peter and John, these are unlearned and ignorant men, but they've been with Jesus. You know, when you, been, when, when you hang out with Jesus, you get his spirit. You can do his things. The same, Jesus said, the same works that I do, you will do also, but greater works because I'm retiring early. I'm going to the Father. See, I can do greater works. Greater in scope. I mean, Jesus was limited to one geographical area, but now we can touch every nation. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. You'll receive courage, wisdom, magnanimity, which is nobility. How many know Jesus is a king, so you get the spirit of a king. And and what did he what did he make us? Kings and priests? Say I'm a king and a priest. You are. And it's the anointing that brings that out. We can't be kings and priests and act like paupers. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, I, I got excited about that word magnanimity. I had to look that up. I was like, what is that? That sounds good. Magnum power. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, Barnes said when he's turned into another man, it describes the change in point of mental power and energy which would result from the influx of the Spirit of the Lord. That's another word I like influx. Rush, influx. The Spirit of God, He's in you when you're born again, but He comes up on you to do things for His kingdom. You know, He's on me right now to preach. The Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel. Jesus said that, and I can say that, because I'm preaching the gospel. And in order to preach the gospel, you have to have the anointing. Otherwise, you're just informational, intellectual, and educational. But I want some revelation. Amen? I want some, I want some revelation inside that. I don't want to just be informed. I don't want to just be educated. I want to be transformed. Revelation transforms you. I want to be transformed. Transformation is a change that comes about from the Holy Spirit and the anointing. You'll be changed into another man. Look at Pastor Doug on the floor. He's another man. Hey, being on the floor is not bad. That just means God's just doing some surgery on you. 
When God knocks you on the floor, I call it spiritual anesthesiology. And the Holy Ghost is the anesthesiologist. And he may give you laughing gas. He may give you laughing gas. Why? I wrote a book on laughter called Effervescent Joy. That's joy that bubbles up, flows, moves. Effervescent joy. The Bible has a lot to say about joy, but I'm not even talking about joy today. Hallelujah. So when the Spirit of God, see, Saul just, he was just walking and he encountered these prophets with their instruments. And the Spirit of God just jumped on him like, and he began to prophesy. He began to do something that he never did before. Did Peter ever fish for men before? But did he become a fisher of men? Yeah. How did he become a fisher of men? He was taught by God and the Holy Spirit. He became what God wanted him to be. God had always always called him to fish for men. From his birth, he was called to fish for men. Except Peter was fishing for fish. He fished for fish for years. He had his own business. Him and Andrew, his brother, and James and John, who were brothers with their father Zebedee. They had at least two boats in the fishing company, maybe more. But Peter, he would go out on the Sea of Galilee. He would, he would catch fish. He would go to the market. He would sell them. And that's what he did. Until someone with an anointing got in his boat. Someone who was anointed with the Spirit of God entered his boat, entered his atmosphere, entered his life. And, and when the anointing, when Peter encountered the anointing, he was forever changed. He dropped to his knees and said, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Jesus said, I will, I will make you a fisher of men. The anointing will change your life. But you've got to let it. You know, when the anointings move, some people will say, talk to the hand. People get like Clint Eastwood, go ahead, make my day. (laughs) Well, let me tell you something. Even though God is a creator, he doesn't make you do things. Because he's given you a free will. He offers you something and you got to choose. But if you don't choose it, it'll bypass you. God doesn't put strings on you and make you a puppet. He didn't put circuitry in you and make you a robot. He gave you an individual, he, get- he made you an individual with your own will and your own choices. And you gotta choose to yield to the Holy Ghost when He's moving. If you wanna sit there like a frog on a log, He'll just hop over you. You, you, you gotta yield to Him. People that don't yield, the Bible describes it as being stiff-necked. It's in Hebrews. All right. Okay. Uh, Jameson Fawcett Brown says, when he rushes upon you, suddenly endowing you with a capacity and disposition to act in a manner far superior to your previous character. Do you realize, why, did, why was David so bold against Goliath? Because he had just been anointed. He was anointed with the Spirit of God, and it gave him the courage and the skill not only to face the giant, but to beat the giant. 
No other soldier could beat Goliath because they didn't have the anointing. God anointed a shepherd to be a king. And if you're going to go from a shepherd to be a king, it's going to take an anointing. It's going to take the Spirit of God. See, the Spirit of God will always take you higher. He will always promote you. Going from a shepherd to a king, that's pretty good. In one day, David's family didn't have to pay taxes. In one day, he got to marry the king's daughter, and in one day, he became rich. Amen? Isn't that true? Why? How do we know? What's the guy going to get when who beats this uncircumcised Philistine? Well, you're going to get to marry the king's daughter. You won't have to pay taxes. You'll be rich. Okay, sounds like a good battle to me. But he had the anointing. It was the anointing that was on David that made the difference. (coughs) He could do what no other soldier could do. He didn't use a sword. He didn't use a spear. He didn't use an arrow. David used some rock and roll. (laughs) He, he, He played the rock and he made Goliath roll. Well, David was a musician, so he was a rock and roll musician. Amen? Man, those sheep got to enjoy some good concerts, free concerts, right, to sheep. (laughs) Hallelujah. What did the sheep say to David? That's not a bad job, David. (laughs) Hallelujah. Mm -mm -mm. Go to Joel chapter 2. The book of Joel chapter 2. Hosea Joel, right? If you want to learn the books of the Bible, come to Bible Adventure on Thursday. <laughs> you can learn the books of the Bible. We, we have a song about the books of the Bible. Joel chapter 2, verse 28. And it shall come to pass. That day has come. That day was the day of Pentecost. What Joel is talking about occurred in Acts chapter 2. Okay? It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon a select few. All? Is everybody over here included in all? How about here? Are you all? How about over here? Are you all? I will pour my spirit on all flesh. Everyone who wants to can be have the Spirit of God poured on him or her. All flesh. Everybody say all flesh. <laughs> you know, God is not like Aunt Jemima with the slow stack, right? When you pour the syrup, he, he, he pours it out. He, gets, he spreads it everywhere, right? He falls like rain on everyone. <laughs> Mrs. Butterworth, see how slow Mrs. Butterworth runs down that stack? That's like the old bottle of Heinz ketchup. Man, the ketchup was slower than the syrup. You had to bang that thing to get that ketchup out. That ketchup didn't want to come out the bottle. But if you had it at the right angle and hit it right, then you get that, you know. You had to prime the bottle to get the ketchup out. Thank God for squeeze bottles, amen? 
But sometimes, sometimes they come out more than what you want at a time. Oh, I didn't want the whole plate covered. <laughs> One of those days. It's what you get when your pastor goes to bed at 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> All right. Who, who's talking to Joel? He said, I will pour out my spirit. So God is the one who does the pouring out. We are the vessel that receives the pouring, but he does the pouring out. Amen? He's the baptizer. We're the baptizee. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall what? Prophesy. You're going to say things you've never said before. You're going to think things you've never thought before. You're going to experience things you've never experienced before. My sons and daughters, men and women, shall prophesy. Why? Because you're going to come in contact with the pouring out. You're going to get under the flow so that you can go. Okay? Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men dream dreams. Come on, old guys. You got to dream some dreams. You got some dreams on the inside of you. You got some destiny on the inside of you. God's not done with you yet. So don't take it easy. They need to rename the lazy boy chair. Because every time you sit in it, you become something that you shouldn't be. That just came to me right now. I don't have that in my notes. This is, this is my new name. This is my active chair. Amen? This is my anointed chair. You can change the name of your chair. I don't care who made it. Call those things that be not as though they are. So, old man, you got some dreams on the inside of you. What are you doing to bring those dreams about? The Spirit of God's going to come in you. He's going to activate some dreams, that, some things that you need to accomplish, things that you need to do, things that you need to finish. God wants you to finish strong. He doesn't want you to barely cross the line. He wants you to cross the line with your hands up victoriously. Paul said, I have ran my race. I have finished my course with joy. That tells me that Paul was sprinting to that finish line. Moses did not get started till he was 80. Because he was born, right? His mama had to hide him. Why? Because there was a death threat to every baby boy in Egypt. So his mother didn't choose to participate in that. That was a law from the king. Moses' mama broke the law. Oh, my goodness. Sometimes you've got to break the law of man. Because it disagrees with the law of God. When man's law disagrees with God's law, you disregard man's law and you go with God's law, irregardless of the consequences. Life begins at conception. So Moses, Moses' mama didn't want to participate in murder. So she saved her son, sent him in a river 
full of snakes and crocodiles. As a baby, she built an ark for him, floated him in the river. That took faith. How many know faith does the impossible? Well, who picked up Moses, Pharaoh's daughter? Moses, for 40 years, was raised in the palace. Then he had a deliverer on the inside, but he didn't know how to bring it out because he wasn't anointed yet. So he tried to deliver someone in the wrong way. Some of you may have tried to carry out your call in the wrong way because you're doing it in the flesh. You're doing it without the anointing. So Moses had to flee Egypt. Then he became a shepherd. So he was leading his father-in-law's sheep for 40 years until he got in contact with the anointing at the bush. He got anointed at the bush. Why? He stepped on holy ground. He had a conversation with God. God said, I hear the cry, and I've called you to deliver my people. That unlocked the anointing in Moses' life. Now he could deliver people the right way with God's power, not with man's might. Amen? Why? Moses became a new man. He became a different man. He became the deliverer that God wanted him to be, that he was always called to be. He just, did, he just needed the anointing to bring it out. Amen. You need the anointing to bring out what's on the inside of you. You can't bring it out in the natural. You've got to bring it out in the spirit. You've got to connect with God. Amen. So, old men, you're going to dream some dreams. Young men, see visions. Also upon the servants and upon the handmaids. In those days will I pour out my spirit. No one's left out. Amen? Why? Because we are anointed. And it's the anointing that brings out. Go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Is this helping someone today? I think today is going to be a day that we bring some things out. We're going to uncover some things that have been hidden. You know, Lazarus could only hide in the tomb for four days, but then he had to come out. He he actually played hide and seek. Catch me if you can, right? Lazarus was hiding in the tomb, but Jesus found him. Lazarus, come forth. Okay. Can you imagine... Being transformed from being dead for four days to being alive? I mean, his body stopped breathing. His body stopped moving. Whatever the cause of death was, I don't know. But one word from Jesus, the anointing went into that tomb. And the anointing changed. He transformed Lazarus from dead to life. From the ability not to walk to the ability to walk. He was transformed. He became another man. He became a live man, not a dead man. Why? He encountered the anointed one. God showed me some things in the book of Philippians. Oh, hallelujah. Mm. So, uh, mm, hallelujah. So, the best version of you is these four things. Number one, you've got to be connected to Christ. If you're, not, if you're disconnected from Christ, you're disconnected from the anointing. 
Number two, you got to live for Christ. See, once you're connected to Christ, just being connected to Christ is not enough. You've got to live for Christ. You've got to live like Christ lived. You've got to stop doing the old worldly things, and you've got to start doing God's things, kingdom things. Amen? You can't live in the world and in the kingdom at the same time. It's like trying to walk a picket fence. You're going to fall and hurt yourself. You gotta be all in for kingdom business. You gotta be like Jesus say, I gotta be about my father's business. Father, the father's got a business for you. You've been employed in the father's business. It's a family business. And God's got a place for you in the business. And if you want to get in the right place in the business, you gotta be anointed. You gotta be connected to Christ. You gotta live for Christ. Thirdly, you gotta love Christ. You gotta love Christ. Fall in love with Jesus. Amen? Every, everything will disappear when you fall in love with Jesus. And then finally, well, actually there's five things. You've got to do what you're called to do. And then you've got to know who you are in Christ. All this from the book of Philippians. All right? Living, okay, so Philippians chapter 2. Verse 1, it says, If there be any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, any bowels and mercies, fulfill my joy, be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. Okay? So we are connected to Christ. How do you get connected to Christ? You get born again. You accept Jesus Christ as Lord. That's your connection to Christ. How many people are born again? Amen? You are connected to Christ. You're connected to the anointed one. When you're connected to the anointed one, you're connected to the anointing. Okay? So we're connected. Say, I'm connected. When when, when the enemy gives you trouble, say, hey, I'm connected to high places. Don't mess with me. I'm connected. I'm a connected man. Go ahead. I've got connections. When the devil says, this ain't going to work out, say, oh, it's going to work out because I'm connected. I've got connection in high places. Amen? Okay? So living for Christ is allowing him to live in you. You're righteous, holy, blameless, pure, expressing his fruit, living by his standard. Living for Christ. Why do we go to church? So that we can learn how to live for Christ. We, we, we come to church for fellowship. People who say they don't need church, they're missing out on fellowship. They're missing out on fruit inspection. You know, you can expect fruit, right? Let's see if your fruit is ripe or if it's rotten. How are you going to know if your fruit is ripe or rotten if you're not around people? Amen? That fruit's getting a little ripe. Let's make a pie out of that thing. Okay, the best rendition of living for Christ is Galatians 2. Let's go to Galatians chapter 2. This is powerful. And I'm going to read this from the Amplified. 
How many know the Apostle Paul who wrote this? He had a transformation, right? He went from persecuting to preaching. That's a pretty good transformation. How did he do that? He encountered the anointing. The anointing let him know that what he was doing was wrong, but it showed him the right way to do it. See, that's what the anointing does. The anointing will correct you, but then it will direct you. Because that's what the anointing does. So the anointing will teach you. Amen? The anointing will lead you. 1 John 2.27, we have an anointing or an unction from the Holy One that we know all things. Amen? Okay. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 and 21 from the Amplified. I have been, past tense, crucified with who? Christ. I died with Christ. My old man is dead. I'm not that man anymore. His name was even changed. He's no longer went by Saul. He now went by Paul. Who gave him that name? God gave him that name. Anytime God gave a person a new name, they gave him a new nature. New name, new nature. Jacob, trickster, planter, deceiver. Israel, prince of God. How did he, how did he get transformed? He met Jesus on the ladder to success. Right? Genesis 28, there was a ladder from heaven to earth. Jacob met Jesus on the ladder. He saw Jesus at the top of the ladder. Amen? Okay? So, I've been crucified with Christ. That is, in him I have shared his crucifixion. What did Jesus tell us to do with our flesh? crucify our flesh. Why? Your flesh is going to cause you problems and get you off track if you let it run your life. So you've got to crucify your flesh. What does it mean to crucify your flesh? Tell it no. What a revelation. When your flesh wants to do something wrong, no. Guess what? Your flesh will have to obey you. Why? Because you're in Christ. Your spirit is now in control of your life. So exercise your authority. Okay? All right? It is no longer I who live. All right? When you meet the anointing, the I moves from taking the number one position. Now it's him. Amen? I moves off and he takes over. But he only comes by invitation. He doesn't force his way into your life. God never forces his will on you. Do you know that if you don't want to be healed, you don't have to be healed? Oftentimes, God would ask blind men, Jesus would ask blind men, what do you want me to do for you? Wouldn't it be obvious? But see, it's not about the circumstance. It's not about the need. It's about the faith. It's about the faith. God respects faith. Why? Faith pleases him. Circumstances don't please God. Needs don't please God. Faith pleases God. So that's why he would ask a blind man, what do you want me to do? Because it's not, he wants the blind man to express his faith in God of what he wants God to do for him. All right. Little side note, won't charge any extra for it. Okay, no longer I who live, but who lives in me now? Christ. Say, Christ lives in me. The anointed one and his anointing lives in you. He took up residence in you. He lives in your heart. He is, he, he's, your body is his home. Your body is his temple. 
Why? He bought the way in with his blood. Okay. This life that I now live in the body, I live by what? Faith is a different way to live than how we used to live before Christ. Before Christ, we weren't living in faith. It doesn't take faith to follow the law. It doesn't take faith to be religious. It takes faith to please God. That means you put God first above all things. You go after what God wants. You be the husband that God wants you to be. You be the wife that God wants you to be. You be the son that God wants you to be. You be the daughter that God wants you to be. You be the man that God wants you to be. You be the woman that God wants you to be. You be the employee that God wants you to be. Didn't he? God's got a word for every one of those positions. Amen? But live by faith, adhering and relying completely, trusting in the Son of God. Why? He's the word. The Son of God is the way of faith. He's the epitome of faith. Amen? <laughs> Everything Jesus did was by faith. Why? He did it in line with the Father's will. He did it to please God. Jesus didn't please himself. He didn't even share his own opinions. Okay? Who loved me and gave himself up for me. Say, God loves me. He gave himself up for me. Isn't that awesome? God loved you so much that he gave himself for you. Hallelujah. All right, verse 21. I do not ignore or nullify the grace of God. How do we ignore God's grace if we don't live for God? When we, don't, when we live for ourselves, we're ignoring and nullifying the grace of God. Oh, I didn't know the grace could be nullified. Well, the Bible wrote it. It must be true. Because what do we know about the Bible? It's what? It's all true. Say the Bible is all true. So if the Bible says you can nullify grace, and you can nullify grace. There's a lot of ways that we can disregard God's grace. But I'm, I'm not talking about that today. Maybe some other time. Okay, I don't nullify the gracious gift of God's grace. His amazing unmerited favor. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. If all we have to do is just obey the law, then Christ didn't even have to come. But he came, why? So that you could be the best version of yourself. He came so that you could have the best life that you could have. Amen? Jesus came so that he took a group of people that were low, he brought them high. You were down, he brought you up. We were actually all dead in sin. And he made us alive in Christ. Amen? This is so good. So, okay, that's living for Christ. You got to let Christ live in you. Okay, how does Christ live in me? Does Christ complain? Oh, okay. Complaining? No. Does uh, Christ abuse people? Oh, no abuse. No. Okay. <laughs> Something's in my... I'm going to say it like this. Does Christ rely on worldly substances to get them over problems? No. Why? You got the Spirit of God. You don't need worldly substances. If you've ever been involved in worldly substances, do they solve problems? 
No, they just numb you for a moment, but the problem might even be worse the next day. Because when you're under the influence of worldly substances, you do stupid things. You do things that you regret, things you don't know you do. So living for Christ means not living according to worldly substances. Now that's a very gentle way to say that. I, I didn't say the thought that came to my mind. What's in your mind? Oh, you're not going to know that thought. Okay, second thing is loving Christ. Loving Christ. Having a personal relationship with him, knowing him, communicating with him, obeying him, honoring him, following him, being conformed to him. This is all in Philippians 2. Okay, Philippians 2, one. you got to share Christ's love. Okay? <clears throat> His love is encouraging and comforting, compassionate, tender. And we have a fellowship with the Spirit, a deep affection, mercy, and sympathy. This is all in, all right? Philippians 2.2. 2. Oh, yeah, go back to Philippians. Sorry. Philippians 2.2, 2, fulfill you my joy by being like-minded. Share, the, share Christ's mind. Did you know that you can share Christ's mind? What's Christ's mind? Holy Spirit. Because he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in me. That's Holy Spirit. Share Christ's mind. If you want to be changed into the best version of you, uh, share Christ's love, share Christ's mind. Why did he tell you what to think on if it wasn't important? Hmm? Philippians 4, think on these things. Gee, Lord, thank you for sh- telling me what I need to think on. Isn't that awesome? Okay. Philippians 2, 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Share Christ's attitude. We've got to share Christ's attitude which is humility, emptying yourself in sacrificial service. What what was Jesus' purpose? Jesus came to die for us. How would you like to embrace that purpose? I've been born to die for you. How many, many, can, can I have a show of volunteers or takers? No, don't raise your hand. Who would like to volunteer for this calling? My calling is to die for you. Did Jesus embrace his calling? Yes, and he carried it out successfully, and thank God he did, because if he didn't do what he did, we couldn't do what we do. Amen? Okay, so we share Christ's love, we share Christ's mind, we share Christ's attitude. Verse 10, that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things on earth. We need to share Christ, we need to submit to Christ. Bowing and confessing him as Lord is submitting to Christ. You've got to submit to God's plan for your life. Well, I don't know what God's plan is for life. Guess what? You can find out. God gave you a book full of his plans. And if you talk to him, guess what? He will talk to you. God will talk to me. Yes. Why? God's a loving father. He will talk to you. Okay? So, Philippians 2, 1, share Christ's love. 2, 2, share Christ's mind. 2, 5, share Christ's attitude. 
2.10, submit to Christ. Verse 13, we sang this today. I can do all things through Christ. Who strengthens me? Woo! For it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I'm sorry, I was getting excited about Philippians 4. So, <laughs> so notice this. For it is God which works in you. You've got to use Christ's strength. Where does he work? In. Say in. All the work that God does is from the inside out. It's never from the outside in. When Jesus cursed the fig tree, the leaves weren't the first thing to go. It was from the roots, inside out. Ezekiel prophesied, I'm going to give you a heart transplant. I'm going to take your heart of stone and give you what? A heart of flesh so that I can write on it. That's the inside work, isn't it? Did you know that Jesus is a heart surgeon? His scalpel is his word. Woo! Sharper than any two-edged sword. So, to use God's strength, let him effectively work in you. Notice, to will and to do. If you allow Christ to work in you, your will will be conformed to his. But if you resist Christ working in you, then your will is conformed to you. Strength, when Christ works in you, he strengthens you, energizes you, and he creates in you to fulfill his purpose. All right? Verse 16, Philippians 2.16. Holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. You need to embrace and share Christ's message. Say, embrace and share Christ's message. We are all called to get God's word out in however God uses you. God uses me in teaching God's word. God may use you in a different way. But you find how God uses you and you let him communicate his message through you, however you do it. And God's a creator. He likes variety. But God has called each and every one of us, young and old, men and women, he has called each and every one of us to share his message. How do you share Christ's message? How you live and what you do and and what you say. How can I witness? Number one, tell people that God loves them. Because love covers a multitude of sins and love casts out, perfect, perfect love casts out fear. Number two, let them know that they're forgiven. God's not holding a grudge. He's already forgiven. He's already paid the debt for sin, right? Number three, God's got a plan for your life. He created you with a purpose. Number four, the only way to unlock your purpose is to know Jesus as Savior. He loves you. Would you like to meet him today? That was just less than, what, a minute, and I just shared the gospel in a very easy way. How many can do that? Amen? Amen? What, what, if you, what if you're not physical and you can't get around? Then you can pray for people. Amen? I'm, in my, I'm sitting in my prayer chair. 
And then uh, finally, verses, chapter 3, verses 8, 9, and 10. You have to know Christ. He, he, he wanted to know him and the fellowship of his suffering. You have to be found in Christ and have faith in Christ. And then finally, you've got to know Christ. Be acquainted with him, understand him, and experience him. Amen? That's how we become a different person. Oh, thank you, Lord. Let me just read this last verse to you. Uh, Psalm, I want to read Psalm 92 and then 2 Corinthians 1 and then I'm done. All right. Psalm 92, verse 10. Psalm 92, verse 10. It says, but my horn or my emblem of strength and power, you have exalted like that of a wild ox. I am anointed with oil, with fresh oil. Say, I am anointed with fresh oil. Today's a fresh start. Today's a fresh new beginning. Say, I am anointed. You're not going to be, you're not will be, you are. You are I am anointed. Amen? With what kind of oil? Everything that God does is... God never does anything stale. You'll never find anything stale in heaven. (laughs) Okay? And then 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. Now it is God who establishes and confirms us in the fellowship with you in Christ, who has anointed us. Say, we are anointed. Not only are you are anointed, you have an anointing, but we as a body have an anointing. There's a corporate anointing. When God's people come together, there's a corporate anointing. Amen? Who has anointed us, empowering us with the gifts of the Spirit, verse 22. It is He who has also put His seal on us. Woo! You've been sealed with the Holy Ghost, with the anointing, glory to God. That is, He has appropriated us and certified us as His. Mm. And has given us Holy Spirit in our hearts as a pledge like a security deposit to guarantee the fulfillment of his promise. Woo! The anointing is here today. It will destroy any yoke that you brought in today. Any yoke of sickness, any yoke of poverty, any yoke of lack, any yoke of low self-esteem, any yoke of incapability, any yoke of insufficiency, any yoke of wondering what is next. The anointing destroys those yokes. So if you have a yoke today, if you're sick in your body, the anointing will set you free. If you need help in your life, the anointing will help you. If you need to be lifted, the anointing will lift you. He's got the power. And he wants to give it to you. Amen? So if you need to receive some fresh anointing today, I invite you to come. All who want to receive a fresh anointing today. In the name of Jesus, come up and receive.